the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you this this afternoon. Yeah, I forget what what, what day it is, my friends. (laughs) It is uh, Saturday, October the 19th. Man, it is really, really a beautiful day. Um, supposed to get a little bit, uh, cooler later on in the, in, in, in next week, but, um, we've had some nice rain. We've had some great, uh, weather here in South Texas and, um, to my friends to the North, uh, up in Utah and over in Washington state, um, and, uh, in Colorado, they've had, uh, rain, they've had snow already. So, um, you know, that, uh, that we, we really, you know, we don't get that kind of weather here, but, uh, uh, it, it's nice to see snow every now and then here in South Texas. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the show. We've got a good one for you today. We've got, uh, first of all, we've got a very dear friend of mine um, from Washington, D.C., from my days back in the um, in the Reagan administration, Mr. Don Irvine, uh, who is uh, with Accuracy in Media. That's an organization that, um, that uh, it, it's like a watchdog organization, uh, on the news media, and he's going to be talking to us about fake news and where we are at. Uh, uh, believe it or not, his organization uh, got started, the, the Accuracy in Media got started uh, almost 50 years ago, my friends. And um, that's, uh, you know, that, that that means that fake news is not an invention of Donald Trump, my friends. Fake news is a very, very real situation, a very real a problem that we've got that has, in my opinion, it's just gotten worse. It's just gotten worse. Um, we also have uh, Mr. Jonathan Thompson, who is the executive director of the National Sheriff's Association. He's going to be talking to us uh, about um, the challenges that local law enforcement, the sheriffs in particular, um, what they face when they're, uh, you know, with the issue of illegal crime, illegal alien crime in their backyards. Uh, Mr. Thompson was at the uh, fair conference a few weeks ago and uh, got to chat with him a little bit there. But we're going to we're going to hear from him. You know, very, very interesting conversation with him. Finally, and uh, this is really, really uh, exciting for me. We've got an interview with uh, with two of uh, two people that I really, really respect, Mr. Brandon Judd and Hector Garza. Brandon Judd is the national uh, president of the Border Patrol Agents Union. He's the national guy. And uh, we see him, we've seen him on, on Fox News uh, several times talking about uh, the challenges that the uh, Border Patrol agents face. Um, you know, Border Patrol agents, my friends, are much, much in the same situation as the uh, police officers are on the local level in, uh, in that they are, they are extremely disrespected. They are uh, constantly under attack by the by the fake media, fake news media. And uh, it's reached a point, my friends, where they really, really, I mean, uh, some of them uh, are followed home by their um, by by these adversaries, by these crazy leftists and uh, folks that are that are radicals. Um, We reported last week about this situation where they are encouraging uh, there is a group out of uh, Philadelphia that is encouraging uh, Border Patrol agents to leave their profession, to leave their career, to change careers, uh, strictly because they believe, they view the, the Border Patrol in the same way as uh, they view the Nazis uh, in Germany. I, it, it just is, it is so 
outrageous. It is so over-the-top ridiculous. Uh, so uh, we're going to listen. We're going to we're going to hear from Brandon. We're also going to hear from Hector Garza, uh, who is uh, the union uh, chief uh, right here in our backyard in South Texas, in Laredo, and uh, both of them are going to be cha- talking to us about the challenges they're they, they're facing. Uh, Brandon, obviously, on a national level, and uh, and Hector, and what's going on locally. Uh, both of them have seen uh, have seen the situations uh, that we're facing. <laughs> with uh, when we've got uh, liberal Democrat congressmen come through, and uh, Hector in particular uh, was telling me about how uh, rude they were. These congressmen have been uh, when they visited uh, uh, the uh, the border patrol facilities, and uh, how the news media never reports what they've uh, what they give them. Never 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 reports it, and if they do, they don't do it accurately. So again, my friends, these these are the challenges that we're facing. Uh, we are, you know, these guys are being villainized, and all they're doing is doing their job in protecting our our border. It, it's uh, it, it's it, it's absolutely outrageous. It is ridiculous, and it's something that we have to start holding these Democrats and the media accountable for. Uh, if they don't want to tell the truth, fine and dandy. Then we should not watch them, and we should not patron patronize. Uh, the people that sponsor their their programs. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, I'm sorry, but we need to start voting not only at the voting booth, and I mean, we really need to start voting at the voting booth, but we also need to start voting uh, with our with our dollars and with our feet, my friends. We just don't pat- patronize the places that uh, you know that sponsor these idiots, uh, these political this political correct uh, approach to. Uh, immigration is 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 ridiculous. It's it, it, it's out of it, it's not uh, reality, my friends. It's not reality. We have people entering the country illegally. We have people trying to enter the country illegally. On top of that, we've got smugglers smuggling people in illegally, as well as smuggling narcotics in illegally. We need to stop that. Uh, we need so, we need to secure the border in some form or fashion. We need more people. We need more uh, uh, technology, and we definitely need the wall. <laughs> it's that simple. We definitely need the wall. So anyway, those uh, that, that's who's going who we're going to be listening to in a little bit. Let's jump to some uh, to some um, news. Uh, some of the stuff that's been going on. One of my uh, one of my other dear friends that has been on our show before uh, was reporting not too long ago. Uh, reported that there was the first illegal alien, a Somali, to commit a North American terrorist act. He is going to be on trial this coming week, my friends. Uh, however, sadly, the fake news is ignoring that story. Yep, this uh, Somali is going to be going on, on trial uh, in Minnesota. And he uh, he is a convicted terrorist. Uh, he is going to be uh, uh, tried for a terrorist act. Uh, you know, good luck in finding that in the mainstream news. Good luck in finding that. There's another situation where, um, and this one's pretty funny. I mean, talking about fake news. Uh, this past week on Monday, uh, ABC News had to apologize because last weekend they showed they showed a fire in Kentucky, a fire in Kentucky, but they claimed that it was a Tur- Kurdish. It was uh, it was a Turkish attack on a on Kurdish civilians in in Syria, and uh, the, it was footage from a, a a fire in Kentucky in 2017. You know, uh, they they got caught. They got caught red-handed, and uh, you know they they had to they had to apologize because well you know they got caught. Um, another situation, you know, which is outrageous in my book. It shows exactly uh, where his heart is. Julian Castro, the former uh, mayor of San Antonio and the uh, current presidential candidate, who's registering, I think, at the one in, in the single digits, in the very low single digits, I think even one percent. I'm not sure any higher. Anyway, <clears throat> Julian was uh, in Ohio earlier this week for the uh, Democrats' debate, um, and Julian went to go visit an illegal alien that is uh, hiding in a sanctuary church in Ohio, in Cleveland. She's lived in the United States. Get this, my friends. This woman has lived in the United States illegally for over 20 years. 
Now, I would ask, very, very simple, you've been here for 20 years, why have you never sought to legalize your status? Now, all of a sudden, she's she's panicking because she's been discovered and she's on, she, she uh, she's in danger of being deported. In fact, I hope she gets deported. I'm sorry, my friends, but we can't have sympathy. I cannot have sympathy for people that enter the country illegally, first of all. Enter the country illegally, first of all, and that's number one. But then secondly, do nothing to correct their their problem. Do nothing to correct. 20 years, my friends. 10, 20 years she's been here illegally. To me, my friends, that is a self-inflicted problem. And we cannot excuse it, and we certainly cannot reward it. We can't excuse it by saying, pobrecita, poor little, poor, poor little thing, and then turn around and provide. And provide some type of... of uh, of of uh, immigration of of some type of of, uh, of of assistance for their immigration, my friends. Uh, another thing that um, that occurred, and this is outrageous too, my friend. This is with uh, early last last week or late last week, should I say? Late last week, uh, we uh, we reported about the situation uh, in the at the um, border town here at uh, in Brownsville, the border uh, bridge in Brownsville that connects with Matamoros, uh, and uh, how almost uh, 200, I think it was, uh, 250 to 300 uh, illegal aliens or people who were trying to enter the United States, undocumented, uh, they closed the bridge down for a while. And again, there was a sympathy piece written by the, um, by the New York Times as well as by Newsweek and all the rest of the media about how sad it was that these people... Uh, were were in a terrible situation in Mexico, and uh, how they were all seeking asylum, and and the United States is not letting them in. Well, too bad, too bad, too bad, too bad. It's got to be controlled. Uh, finally, finally, there's the situation of uh, a, a uh, police, a a sheriff here in Texas, Sheriff Bill Wayborn, who um, uh, made the comment uh, at the White House uh, regarding. Uh, the uh, regarding a, a um, uh, court decision of releasing illegal aliens, uh, criminal illegal aliens that were being detained, of releasing them. He made the comment that oftentimes these, uh, these illegal aliens uh, that are released uh, go out and get drunk and they will, they will run over children. That was his direct quote. Well, it's true, my friends. There was a meltdown and uh, people were shocked and, and, and just outraged by you know his comment but it's true it's true the number of people that have been run into run over wrecked by illegal alien drunk drivers my friends i guarantee is 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 high and the problem is that it's not reported that's the problem and so all right we're gonna uh go ahead and take our first break my friends and we'll be right back with mr don irvine uh, with accuracy in media, stick around. <coughs> call your friends. Tell them that uh, to join us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP nine thirty AM radio. The answer. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. How you doing? Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, uh, an older friend of mine from my Washington days, uh, Mr. Don Irvine. And Don is uh, now heading an organization uh, 
that uh, his, actually his dad, who I also knew, a very great, gracious gentleman, uh, that, that uh, Reed Irvine, in, in, uh, he founded, called Accuracy in Media. And since we talked so much, my friends, about uh, the whole idea of uh, fake news, I thought there'd be nobody, nobody better than to get uh, Don to, to talk to us uh, about uh, fake news and what's going on right now, uh, as well as uh, his organization. So, Don, welcome very much. Thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Tell us about your organization, first of all, and um, because I, I know a lot of folks who are under the assumption that uh, fake news is something that Donald Trump invented. So talk to us. Yeah, well, so the organization goes back to uh, 1969. Uh, My father was actually uh, working for the government at that time, and uh, he was part of a group of individuals who were uh, uh, very concerned about what was going on uh, in in our world at the time and uh, particularly with the Vietnam War. And that was kind of what fueled the, the, the fire for him and the others that were in this group. And they decided that something had to be done about it. The, they, were, they were sick and tired, in essence, of uh, day after day watching television news with uh, Uncle Walter Cronkite and others uh, and the newspapers, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, their consistent uh, reporting that was favoring uh, the the communist, shall we say, uh, position in Vietnam, and not really telling the truth about what was going on there. It, was, it all came back as uh, just horrible things going on in Vietnam, and we were losing a war, and why we were in this, you know, this war that we could not win. Um, so that that started the whole ball rolling, and from there, uh, my father basically took the helm and, using his uh, writing skills. Uh, uh, was able to uh, build the organization, you know, and, and I think, I'm not sure that he even knew at the time how bad the, the news media was. I, I think I think seeing what they did in the Vietnam War coverage just kind of sparked something in him uh, so that he started to look and delve deeper into the media as a whole and, and started to see, uh, alarmingly so, that uh, the uh, the those trusted newspapers and those trusted newscasters were not uh, not to be trusted after all. And that, as you said at the beginning, in terms of, you know, where we talk about Trump and people think that the whole fake news has been, was really invented by him. If you look back on it, I mean, I could, I could easily say that at least back to our founding, that's what we've been doing. We didn't coin the term. But that's basically what we've been doing. We've been fighting this fake news operation of the media for, for 50 years. Yeah. We know that uh, yellow journalism has been around forever. But uh, this situation where, where uh, you know, the broadcasters come right into our living room nowadays, that's uh, and influences us so much. That, uh, I think, is, is something completely uh, new and, and, and very disturbing in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, as you well know, I mean, this whole media landscape has changed tremendously over the last five decades. I mean, you go back to when AIM was founded, go back to the late 60s, early 70s, uh, you know, when when we ourselves, both you and I, you know, if, if our news consumption was largely based on the three major news networks and uh, some of the major newspapers. I mean, Washington had two newspapers at one time. Uh, the Evening Star being a little more conservative, the Washington Post always holding down, you know, the liberal end of things, and the New York Times always has been a, a very big and influential newspaper. We've now gone into an area where uh, this news cycle is it never ends. It is twenty four seven, and we have so much more stuff coming in. I mean, cable news is now out there, and so we can get bombarded by all of these things that come into our living rooms. Uh, how do people get news now? They, you know, that's not just from television or cable news. It's it's a lot through social media uh, and what they read on their phones or tablets or laptops. It's very, you know, it's a highly mobile society, and and they prefer to get a lot of their news that way. But it also leads to a lot of problems because people are they tend to look at the headline, which can be fashioned to attract the attention of the eyeballs, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's an accurate story behind it. That's right. That's right. I mean, even today, this morning, they're talking about this um, ABC newscast that uh, purported to show the uh, a, a a bombing attack in uh, in Syria, and in actuality, was uh, pictures of, of a fire in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure exactly how you can justify or what you can say about something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's hard because, and I, you know, the Internet fuels a lot of these things because like, you know, we've seen instances, I mean, you talking about using the, the wrong film footage or inaccurate film footage or pictures, this is becoming much more prevalent uh, to be able so that the the liberals in particular can fashion a news story and frame a narrative in their vein. And, and, you know, because I said before, because people aren't really paying very close attention, their, their, their retention span is very short when it comes to these news stories because the stories are coming out every few seconds. They don't bother, you know, back-checking or looking at who, where these actual pictures came from. But, you know, that's all, remember the whole Amazon rainforest thing, right? Right. The, all of those things, all those terrible stories, a lot of it was, you know, manufactured by those, by pulling pictures of, of fires in Colorado and elsewhere around the world to try to frame the narrative to say we've got a huge crisis and all these things have got to, are going on there. We've got to save the rainforest. Uh, while also at the same time not really mentioning the fact that fires in the Amazon rainforest have been going on for a long period of time. This is nothing new, and there's an ebb and a flow. There's another issue there that has to be addressed in, in Brazil with all of that, but it's not climate change and not, this, not, the, not the narrative that they were trying to frame. Right, right. And we see, and we see that uh, consistently down here in South Texas with the, uh, with the issue of... Uh, uh, of of uh, illegal immigration. I mean, the whole issue of the cages of the children in cages, uh, you know, has proven to be such a uh, such a sticking point. I mean, even though it's been proven that uh, you know that that uh, that uh, practice started during the uh, Obama administration, it doesn't stop a lot of uh, the liberals from uh, carrying that narrative. Right, and, and we we've seen that in the in the Democrat debates. Uh, that they, they bring that up, it's, it's a popular line or a popular thing to talk about because it gets, it's a talking point that wins over at least the audience and people who are watching it. But, you know, when, when I'm watching the Democrat debates, or probably I'm sure when you're watching, you're like, you know, there, there they go again. They're just doing it all over again. I mean, they're, they're continuing to, to push this false narrative, this false story, but, but the liberals have bought into it and they, and they, they convince a lot of the public that way. Trying to get the truth out about the Keita story, with the, that's, that's really, really difficult because the other side continues to pound away at that. And so people's, you know, in their minds, their images, children in cages. Yeah, and, 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 the, and, the, and the news reporters, the, new, the mainstream news reporters, don't seem to challenge them on it. Right, and that has been a long-standing problem, I think, with the news media, is that they won't challenge, you know, that viewpoint. I think obviously part of it is because their own inherent bias towards the view, towards that viewpoint to begin with, uh, that leads them there. That they're, you know, they don't, they think, okay, well, we, we got, we got the soundbite or we got the message that we want to hear, that we want to present to the public, whether or not it's ABC, CBS, or whoever it is, or CNN or MSNBC. Uh, so they're not going to challenge it. There aren't a whole lot of people who are willing to push that and challenge, and and that the longer that goes on, and so that, so we've had a pattern now that because of that has been built up over decades, is that these false stories, these fake stories, uh, have just grown exponentially because you know the media looks at us like well. You know, no one's really going to check on this. They're not really going to challenge on this. So we can go ahead and push the story out as far as we can, and it'll probably work fine. You know, and, and if they can get it to their headlines or it, it fits you know, their anti-Trump narrative, uh, that's what they're going to do. Oh, man. Tell, tell the folks, Don, how they can uh, follow your, uh, your organization and where they can uh, help support it. All right, so we have a we have a website at uh, aim.org. You can go there. You can read the the daily stories that we're posting on media bias and accuracy, etc. Um, there's a donate page there to support us, and or you can just drop a check in the mail to us. Uh, you know, so we have a 
uh, a monthly newsletter that goes out that talks about these things uh, a little bit more in depth and generally does not uh, replicate what's on the website. We, we, do, we do some different stories with the newsletter than we do on the website, so um, you'll miss out on a little bit, uh, a little more analysis if you don't get the newsletter. Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, coming on our show. And, of course, thank you very much for helping to keep uh, or trying to keep the uh, the media honest, Don. You guys are doing a great job. Well, thanks a lot, George. We've got to get you back on again sometime soon. Thank you. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez and Juan Salvador talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, a very good, uh, interesting guest with us today. I'm glad I've been able to uh, corral him. Very busy individual. He is uh, Mr. Jonathan uh, Thompson, who is the uh, CEO and executive director of the uh, National Sheriff's Association. Uh, they're based in Alexandria, which is right across the river from Washington, D.C. And um, we wanted to reach out to Jonathan and ask him uh, uh, about um, the issue that uh, or what issues the uh, sheriffs he sees with, with working with the sheriffs, what issues they face uh, with regards to illegal immigration uh, in uh, in today's uh, America. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Uh, tell us uh, what what, uh, what kind of uh, what situations or what issues do they face? Sure, thanks, George. Again, for for having us on, we appreciate it, and a big shout out to all of the Texas sheriffs. You know, the, the cornerstone of our country is based on, on a real simple concept, and that is uh, that society has mores, norms, behaviors that fall underneath the role of law. Uh, illegal immigration is one of those issues. While some people may argue, oh, you know, it doesn't hurt. Uh, we're helping people that are in need. Uh, they should be able to come here and, 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 and be a part of society. The point is is that every nation has borders. Every nation has rules that, that have to govern the entrance into those borders. The, the good news is the United States is a magnet for a lot of people. That means that there's opportunity here. There's, there's, there's a, a generally well-accepted set of, of norms in society here that are productive. The, the bad news is, because we are that magnet, it brings all types of persons. Uh, for, those, for those that are trying to come here uh, illegally, there's a, there's a myriad of markets, or magnets as we call them, that bring them here. Money, drugs, human trafficking, uh, any, any number of, of reasons for them to come and be a part of this society, or not be a part of it, as they say. So those are, those are just a few of the things that we look at, and how they undermine the communities in which sheriffs are responsible for. You know, in Texas, the sheriffs are uh, are the most favored individual in all of government. That just is a, it's just a fact, because they they touch, they talk to, uh, they empathize, and they they listen to the people that put them in office because they put them in office for one reason: to protect and serve. Uh, we're not the immigration police. We're not in uh, in that in that space. Instead, we're there to commute to make sure the communities are safe, to make sure that the rule of law is upheld, to make sure that uh, when contraband, whether it's human contraband or other, comes into the country and, more importantly, gets into our communities, that's where the problems begin. Now, let me ask you this, because, you know, we've, uh, we've been reading, a lot of us have been reading about the situations, uh, for example, with uh, sheriffs in California and in Oregon uh, or Washington, where... Um, you know, the state has gone one direction, declaring itself a sanctuary state. And uh, some of the sheriffs have uh, have said, no, we're going to uh, stay with the rule of law. Um, what uh, how do you counsel or what what does the NSA uh, how do you work with folks like that? Great question. Um, you know, another beautiful part of our, our system of federalism in this country is it allows the local entity of, of, of elections to decide the direction of that community. Um, what might work in Hidalgo may not work in Dallas. What works in Dallas might not work in Oklahoma, which works in uh, Cook County or in Pick a County across the country. Uh, we think that the sheriffs in particular are the most direct communication to that 
concept of rule of law. They've got a pretty good handle on what their community is willing to um, undertake, settle for, or not settle for. And for those communities that feel that they 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 know right and that maybe they don't want to uh, support ICE or Customs and Border Patrol, we we turn back to them and say, you know, that is your prerogative as your because you are elected by the local constituency. But keep in mind also. Uh, for those that say they don't want to cooperate, they may already be cooperating with the federal government in a number of ways, through DEA holds or through federal marshal holds or FBI holds or ATF holds. There's no shortage of, of ways that they are cooperating with the federal government. So it's a, it becomes a bit of a conundrum for them. And you know we're seeing now more and more sheriffs are recognizing that they they want to be a a, a, a a component of the law enforcement community across the country. But they do also realize they're not elected and they're not empowered to be the national police force on immigration. That's not what they're there for. That is not what they're there for. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was noticing that um, that you had uh, a uh, webcast today related to um, uh, the mentally ill. And that's another question that I have because here in San Antonio and in other communities in, in uh, along the border, uh, we're seeing an increase of uh, folks that are not only homeless, uh, who are unauthorized to be in the United States, uh, illegal aliens who are not only uh, here illegally, uh, but also who are uh, either mentally ill or uh, just flat homeless and and uh, have no nobody to turn to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when it comes to the working with the mentally ill, uh, wh- what are you counseling? How do you how do you uh, how should a, would sheriffs be approaching that issue? Well, another important question. So, unfortunately, sheriffs have become the de facto mental health institutions in this country. Uh, on any given day, there are probably about seven hundred fifty thousand people in the nation's jails. Of those. Easily 40 to 50% of them are there for no other reason other than they have a mental health problem. They couldn't, they couldn't keep it together. They went off their meds. They uh, are schizophrenic. They're bipolar. Fill in the blank. They do something that causes or raises alarm in the community. Somebody dials 911, says there's a, a naked man sitting in the street. Who comes? Law enforcement shows up. And they end up, you know, in, in most situations, they end up, uh, trying to calm the person down, working what we call CIT, which is criti- critical instant training, so that they can de-escalate the situation and find out, okay, who is this person? Who, um, what, what is it that they need? What are the issues that they're facing? And, and unfortunately, in too many cases, um, the person is either too sick, uh, under-medicated, over-medicated, improperly medicated, and ends up in handcuffs in the back of a police car or a sheriff's deputy's car. Um, and that's, that's wrong. I don't, I don't know any civilized society that would honestly say we need to lock up someone merely because they're sick. Um, we, need, we need more health, mental health beds in this, this country, we, far more. We need mental health pr- practitioners, far more. We need a, a much clearer level of cooperation between the medical community, the psychiatric and social work communities, and law enforcement. Law enforcement should not be the front line of defense on those who are mentally ill. That is not what they're trained for, nor should be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, and, and then on top of that, you complicate it with somebody who doesn't speak the language or his, uh, and is culturally... Uh, uh, alienated completely from from uh, you know their surroundings, so it really really complicates it for the gentleman. Um, uh, final question, final question. What uh, as far as the sheriffs go, from what you're seeing and and your legislative work and uh, what uh, what what is their what is your position or the position regarding this whole issue of uh, of sanctuary communities going on across the country? Well, we. You know, again, it kind of goes back to the, the earlier discussion we were having about each local jurisdiction has uh, has its finger on the pulse of their community. Um, I would argue that there is there is no such thing as a sanctuary community because what are they a sanctuary from? Uh, the rule of law? Are they a sanctuary from uh, methamphetamine?
amphetamines and opioids? Are they a, are they a sanctuary from human trafficking? No, of course they'd say absolutely not. I'd like so I'd you, like a sanctuary from paying taxes. <laughs> yeah, a sanctuary from taxes. I'd love to be a sanctuary. You know, it kind of reminds me of that old you know nuclear zone thing uh, <laughs> many many years ago, and, and people would say, "Oh, we need to become a nuclear free zone." Well, I'd, let's let's tell the you know let's tell our enemies you're not the That's right. nuclear free zone, right? Right. So. It's a bit of a conundrum for a lot of people. It's a wonderful political tag, and it's a wonderful um, headline. But the fact of the matter is they're really not sanctuary from anything other than being a, a part of the nation's rule of law. And that's what's unfortunate. You got it. Anything else that you'd like to share with our audience before we, uh, we close out? You know, one thing I would say, well, there are two things. The first is uh, sheriffs in this country believe that immigration is a vital component and vital to our safety and, and security coming in the, in the coming years and decades ahead. We have to have people coming into our country. They bring skill sets. They bring intellect. They bring arts and crafts and trades. We need them. We recognize that. But again, look, the flip side is that you know my, my family came here many, many years ago. They did it legally. And so many immigrants who come to this country, whether they're Hispanic or Chinese or uh, African-American, they come here through what we hope are legal channels, not illegal channels, because where does it stop? When's the slippery slope? And the second thing I would say is that as sheriffs across the country look out, they see an always constantly daily changing landscape as it relates to uh, crime, civil society. Uh, and where they where they are always in the middle of that is between is that little thin we sometimes call it the thin blue line, and when it does when things go wrong that's when law enforcement gets involved and by that time it's too late so we try and remind people across the country that when you see those lights in your rearview mirror follow the directions of law enforcement listen to them and they may be unreasonable in your mind. But follow the rules. If there's a problem, maintain your cool, do what you're told or asked to do, and file a grievance if you think you've been wronged. Uh, That's an important factor for many people. Wow, exactly. Uh, thank you very, very much, Jonathan, for taking time to be with us. And I'd certainly, I would certainly love to follow up on this uh, idea of, uh, of the uh, or this conversation regarding how uh, law enforcement has been, uh, you know, has been taking it on the chin lately, uh, as far as being the bad guys in many uh, in many quarters of these uh, of the United States. Yeah, that oh, I would love to have that discussion. Thank you very much for taking time with us once again, my friends, uh, Jonathan, uh, Mr. Jonathan Thompson, who is the CEO and Executive Director of uh, the National Sheriff's Association, thank you very much for being with us. My pleasure. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Welcome back, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on San Antonio's KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we're here with our concluding uh, segment of our show. We're going to be chatting now with... um, with two very interesting gentlemen that I respect very, very much. Mr. Brandon Judd, who is the president of the um, Border Patrol Agents uh, Union, in, uh, from national president, and um, Mr. Hector Garza, who is the, uh, who is the president of uh, the local union uh, in Laredo, uh, also of the Border Patrol, of course. At any rate, I reached out to them because I wanted to get them to talk to us about the challenges that these poor guys are facing. And I, I really say it in a very sincere manner because, my friends, they are under a lot of stress. They are being vilified, completely vilified, 
by the national press, by the liberal national press. They are, uh, there, are, there are organizations who call them Nazis, who uh, abuse them uh, and, and literally you know, threaten them physically and otherwise, threaten their families, my friends, threaten their families uh, because of the work that they're doing. They accuse them of, of caging kids. They accuse them of, of, of uh, murdering people. You know, there have been deaths, my friends, that have occurred, and there have been deaths of illegal aliens that have occurred uh, while these illegal aliens are under the custody of the Border Patrol or ICE. However, the problem is, my friends, that in every single one of those situations, the deaths have been a result of people who are sick already and who have been hiding or have been taking a trip that they were they, they should have been ill-advised to take. I mean, when you drag a child that is in, that's in poor health from Guatemala all the way through Mexico and then across the desert and into the United States, and that child is sick, what do you expect, you fools? That's child abuse. That is not the fault of the Border Patrol. Also, in every single one of the cases, the Border Patrol has taken action to take care of those ill people. Immediate, immediate action. However, that's not good enough for these for these leftists and liberal crazies. Yes, crazies. I'll call them crazies. At any rate, uh, my heart goes out to these guys because they are doing they are doing us a service. They are protecting us, protecting our nation, protecting our border, protecting us, period. And they are being abused by these liberal leftist idiots that want an open border, that want to excuse illegal immigration, that want to justify it. So at any rate, my friends, let's go to our uh, our, uh, uh, our our interview with uh, Brandon Judd first, and then with uh, Mr. Hector Garza. All right, folks, we've got a real, another real special guest with us. We've got Brandon Judd, who is the uh, uh, union chief, I guess, the union pres- president yeah. president of the union of the uh, for the Border Patrol agents. And I wanted to ask uh, Brandon about um, what is the morale, what is the, what is the state right now of the, uh, of the of the Border Patrol agents, particularly with uh, you know so much so much of the anxious anxiety that uh, the the uh, left is heaping on them, uh, Brandon. And what uh, what can you tell us? How are the how are the uh, uh, agents holding up? Uh, so George, you got to understand, I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I'm not a glass half empty. Um, you would think that the morale would be extremely low because of the AOCs of the world when they go out and they compare us to Nazis when they say that we're running concentration camps. Morale morale should be absolutely low. And if it was the Obama administration, morale would be in the tank right now. But because we have a president that supports the job that we do, because we have a present that supports the agents, morale is actually up. We're actually retaining more employees than we ever did under the Obama administration. And it's solely because we know that we have a president that supports what we do and the job that we're trying to accomplish. That's, that's good to hear because I mean, we, we see and, and we hear so much uh, a negative about, uh, about the Border Patrol. So, uh, you know, with, with the president's support, do you think things are beginning to turn around because we're seeing lower numbers? Yeah. So what he's done is Congress has tried to stonewall him at every single turn. Um, Congress refuses to work with him because they don't want to give him a win going into 2020. So what he's done is he's grabbed the bull by the horns and he's using his executive authority to make things happen that Congress should have made happen. So he's he's struck deals that his predecessors would have loved to have. Um, Clinton would have loved to have that deal. George Bush would have loved to have that deal. Obama would have loved to have had that deal. But they didn't have the political will to make it happen. President Trump, from a business outside standpoint, not a political standpoint, came in and said, I have to protect the citizens of this country. He struck a deal with Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras yesterday in El Salvador that allows us to keep people in Mexico pending their proceedings here in the United States. That effectively will end catch and release, which is driving the numbers to lows that we haven't seen before. The the percentages of drops that we've seen from month to month since May have been percentage that we have never seen in the Border Patrol before. 
it's uh, you know it's really really interesting how uh, you you couch that because I mean I, I worked in the Reagan administration and the Bush administrations uh, and certainly the Clinton administrations didn't do it. Uh, it it seems like the president does have the will uh, and we might say the wills to do that yeah look Reagan was until President Trump and, and again the, the jury's still out um, but Reagan is is the best president that I've known of in in, in my history um, and and frankly Reagan didn't even get this deal done. Um, so, you know, you, you look at what he's accomplishing. We wanted somebody that was different. We did not want the status quo politician. That's why President Trump won the, the Republican primaries. That's why he won the, the presidential election. And he's coming in and he's doing exactly what he promised to do. I've seen promises given by presidential candidates in the past. And those promises normally are broken. President Trump has been trying to keep those promises. He keeps them going and he's doing what he promised the American public that he was going to do and that's refreshing. Excellent. Brandon, thank you and, and uh, pass on that thanks, the great thanks of the public to, uh, to the board patrol for us. Anytime. George, thanks for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you, and we're here in Washington, D.C., and uh, I'm with a very special guest, uh, Mr. Hector Garza, who is uh, with the U.S. Border Patrol. He is uh, one of the union leaders for the um, U.S. Border Patrol. He is right on the front lines of uh, what is happening uh, with immigration. I wanted to ask him, uh, we've we've talked to uh, Tom Holman, the former uh, ICE director, earlier uh, about the morale among the, uh, the agents. And I wanted to ask him first of all about what he sees uh, as a union leader uh, about the morale and if he sees things beginning to change uh, with the efforts that the White House is putting forward. So, Hector, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us, what do you think? Well, first of all, thank you, George, for having me, and, and thank you to your audience. George, uh, so we do have a lot of challenges right now in the U.S. Border Patrol as far as morale is concerned. Um, we do know that uh, we are attacked a lot by the fake news media. We are attacked, uh, unfortunately, by a lot of members of Congress uh, that are just uh, out there uh, engaging in political theater. So, yeah, we do have a lot of challenges. Uh, uh, the good thing is that we know as agents that we are supported by President Trump. Uh, for the first time ever, we've seen an administration that actually supports border security. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, President Trump when he goes out there, he's always talking about border security, he's talking about border patrol agents. But not only is he talking about it, he's also making sure that he's engaging in policies uh, and implementing policies that will help achieve border security. Uh, no other president has ever done that before. So uh, even though we have a lot of challenges with, with morale, uh, I think our agents at the end of the day are hardworking individuals that uh, believe in their country. They're American patriots that care about their mission. And, and yeah, we're grateful that, that Trump, uh, President Trump is actually supporting us. And, and we do have our challenges, but, but we, we're, we're doing a lot better than we were, we were before. Now, uh, given the, the, the changes or the, the, uh, the stuff that has been put forward there, the policy changes that have been put forward by the, by the White House, uh, like uh, the agreement with uh, the Central American countries with Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see things uh, slowing down or changing in any form or fashion? So, yeah, so, so if, we, if we look at the, uh, at the apprehension numbers uh, from this year, uh, the CBP uh, Customs and Border Protection apprehension numbers, if you look at uh, a January of this year, we were at about 58,000 apprehensions. If you fast forward to May 2019, we went all the way up to 144,000 apprehensions border. That's a number that we had not seen in over 15 years. Now, if you look at the numbers in August 2019, we went down to about 68,000, 66,000 um, uh, apprehensions. That's about a 56% decline in apprehensions. And that's all thanks to the policies that President Trump has implemented, Primar- primarily the Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP, that's also known as the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, because of that policy, uh, we've seen a, a, a decline in people that are abusing our immigration system. Now, keep in mind that even though our, our, our numbers are down, we are still in a full-blown crisis, and, and, and our Congress still needs to act. Now, let's talk about the MPP, uh, the Migrant Protection Protocols. Under that policy that was implemented under the Trump administration, uh, what that means is that now people that are seeking asylum in the U.S., instead of us releasing them into the United States under catch-and-release policies, now they're being sent back to Mexico, so they wait for their asylum asylum hearings in Mexico. 
you know the, um, the the situation I recall when I was you know when I was working with the Reagan administration uh, and the Border Patrol. I remember from the uh, from from the Border Patrol they used to run and hide. That didn't seem to be the the the, the effort, uh, or that didn't seem to be happening anymore as people were introducing themselves and declaring uh, for asylum. Is that still happening? Well, yes. Yeah, so we are still seeing people that are uh, turning themselves in and in, in claiming asylum. But we have to make it very clear, George, that there's different people that cross the border. As you will see, as you recall, um, we, we were getting a lot of these people from caravans that were turning themselves in and, and seeking asylum. That was one group of, uh, of people that was coming into, uh, into the United States. We also had those people that were coming into the country legally and that they were actively trying to get away and actually uh, avoid detection and apprehension by Border Patrol agents. Those are the people that did not want to get caught because they knew that they had um, either uh, criminal records or they, they knew that they had prior deportations. So yeah, so, uh, so we're, still see, we're still seeing people um, uh, turn themselves in, uh, into border changes, but that is also declining thanks to the policies by the uh, Trump administration. Uh, here in the closing part, what uh, what would you share with the audience regarding uh, the border patrol, uh, particularly uh, you know since we're in South Texas? What would you say about to, to the audience regarding uh, the the border patrol and the efforts that you've got going down there? So, so a very 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 simple. Our border patrol agents have a very difficult job uh, to do, uh, very difficult but very important at the same time. Uh, part of our mission statement is that we need to uh, prevent and detect illegal entry by illegal aliens, contraband but also terrorists and terrorist weapons. Um, what I would say is support your Border Patrol agents. They have a difficult job. Uh, continue uh, uh, pushing for the right policies in your communities. And at the end of the day, uh, percent, uh, 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 elect those members of Congress, elect those uh, uh, political uh, people that are going to be uh, supporting uh, uh, Border Security, supporting Border Patrol agents. And this has been, uh, we've been talking with uh, Hector Garza, who is uh, the uh, Border Patrol, uh, one of the Border Patrol Union leaders uh, in the nation. And uh, he's uh, located right down in my hometown, Laredo. So uh, thank you very much uh, for being with us. Thank you, George. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.